It's not too late for God to work a miracle of healing and reconciliation in your family, and not just for your family, but for the future generations to come. God loves taking broken things and making them whole again. That was Rob Reno, who we'll be hearing from in a moment. But first, welcome to Legacy Grandparenting, the podcast of the Legacy Coalition. I'm Wayne Rice, Conference Director for the Legacy Coalition, and I'm joined by our Legacy Coalition founder and CEO, Larry Fowler, as well as by John Colomb, Director of Development for the Legacy Coalition. Hi, guys. Hi, Wayne. Hello, friends. We've got a great, uh, great podcast today because uh, our good buddy Rob Reno is going to speak to us here in a moment. And uh, in case, you know, people don't know who Rob Reno is, well, well, we'll give him a proper introduction here in a moment. But I think his unique calling over the last few years has really been uh, uh, helping parents and grandparents who have prodigal children or grandchildren um, who have strayed away. And uh, he wrote a book that uh, I think has just been a classic uh, for for uh, parents over the last few years called Never Too Late. And I went to one of his seminars years ago, and uh, uh, it really was encouraging. He's a, he's a guy that's been helping a lot of parents deal with the whole issue of what happens when your kids don't quite follow, you know, the way that you've wanted them to. Yeah, I agree. I, I've also had the opportunity to know Rob for quite a few years. Um, we lived close proximity to each other many years ago. And uh, in fact, I think I got to know him just as he was starting his ministry and beginning to build it. And I've watched him just become more and more effective and have a greater impact on the, on the kingdom of God. And I'm really thankful for Rob Reno. We probably ought to tell people, you know, he spells his name R-I-E-N-O-W, but it's pronounced Reno. And, uh, and people that see the name don't often pronounce it right the first time. We want to help him by getting it right. <laughs> it's not Rhino. It's not. No. No. <laughs> no, it's Reno. And uh, although it's not not like Reno, Nevada. Let me get my kudos in for Rob. Um, when I entered into family ministry when we were in a ministry up in Santa Barbara, Rob was out there doing that at Wheaton Bible. And I highly respected this guy. Especially knowing that, you know, he's he's lived the life. He's experienced a lot of brokenness just in family with with his father's situation and has saw redemption along the way. So he offers not just the realistic uh, look at this, but he offers hope for redemption. And uh, now, Rob, listen in carefully, folks. He's got a lot to say. Yeah, yeah. We're going to hear some about uh, of that in his uh, short a message. Uh, his book that he just came out with this last year is, is uh, a book titled Healing Family Relationships, A Guide to Peace and Reconciliation. And uh, boy, that is, uh, that's a topic that is really, really, um, uh, I think so much even more important today than it's ever been. Well, I, yeah, I, I highly recommend that uh, that book to people, uh, both of his books, when they turn away, <clears throat> uh, both of his books, when they turn away and healing family relationships, both of them. In fact, as I was reading Healing Family Relationships, Wayne, I thought this is the perfect book 
for the the parent or grandparent that feels like they've tried everything and there's nothing left to try to heal the family because number one, it's really biblical. It's so solid in terms of its content from a biblical perspective, but it is essentially different strategies, biblical strategies that you can, that you can try. So if you tried one thing and you say, well, I tried that, that didn't work then he's got another one for you to try to, and then another one and another one. It's really good stuff. Yeah. And, you know, a lot, there's a lot of people who I think sometimes uh, would like to think that they have, you know, this, this perfect family, but there really are no perfect families. Um, And we have no examples uh, of perfect families to draw from, uh, from the Bible. You know, every, every, Biblical family is a, is a messy family, and most of us have messy families, whether we like to admit it or not. Well, I was going to add that Adam. I was going to add that Adam and Eve. They were good for three chapters. Come on, well, guys. yeah, and you know, even Jesus' family wasn't perfect. When you think about his brothers, were kind of wanting wanting favoritism, and so was his mom. Uh, I mean, you know, even in uh, Jesus' step family. There were certainly issues. <clears throat> yeah. Well, let's listen to this uh, this message from uh, Rob Reno. Um, uh, just for by way of introduction, he was uh, uh, like many pastors started out as a youth minister, and that's one of the one of the uh, things I think that led him to to try to help parents with their uh, adolescent and young adult uh, children was because he had dealt with so many young people who had, uh, as they got older, just uh, began to stray away from the faith. And um, uh, But today he's pastoring a church in Wheaton, Illinois. It's the Gospel Fellowship Church there. Uh, in 2011, he launched a ministry to families called Visionary Family Ministries, and uh, they provide conferences, seminars, and resources for parents, families, and church leaders. His books uh, include uh, Visionary Parenting, Visionary Marriage, uh, he also wrote a book called Limited Church, Unlimited Kingdoms, and uh, and these other books. Um, uh, what was the one that uh, you were talking about there, John? Uh, when They Turn Away. That's a good one. And uh, then his latest, Healing Family Relationships. So here now is Rob Reno. My name is Rob Reno with Visionary Family Ministries. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, my family. My wife, Amy, and I, we've been married 26 years together, and we have been blessed with seven children. We've got four boys, three girls, 23 down to six. My eldest is about to get married October 2nd, so our family is growing. So we've got this big family with lots of joy and, and lots of happiness and lots of problems, daily, daily problems. Not a day goes by in the Reno family where we don't have conflict, where we don't have issues, where we don't have struggles. We're a pretty, uh, a pretty needy group when it comes to needing God's grace and his mercy uh, every day. And, and we're just starting this journey that many of you have already gone down, this journey of our children getting married, uh, merging families, God willing, welcoming grandbabies. And I'm convinced that the joys and happiness are gonna increase exponentially, and so are the problems. Because the more sinners we get under the same roof, the more sinners we get into these messed up family systems, the more forgiveness we need, the more conflict we have, the more opportunities we have to experience God's grace 
and God's mercy in our homes. And in the few minutes that I have with you, this is the subject I want to talk with you about. I want to talk with you about healing family relationships. Because we sin at home so much, because there's not a single family that's exempt from problems and conflict, the Christian family has to become an expert in giving and receiving forgiveness. If we hope to see the good news of Jesus passed through the generations of our family, our families have to be places of healing and they have to be places of reconciliation. So I want to share with you just a few uh, biblical principles to encourage you. What could you do to be a person of peace and a person of healing in the generations of your family? The first scripture I want us to look at is Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. It says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. You see, when someone does something to hurt us, our basic sinful response is to hold on to that anger and to hold on to that bitterness. And what can happen is a seed of bitterness gets planted. You know, this scripture, God's giving us an agricultural analogy. And you see, if a seed gets planted and a seed gets ignored, that seed's going to grow. Seeds of bitterness, according to the scripture, grow roots of bitterness, which then ultimately grow up and they do two things. They cause trouble and they're going to defile many. One of the modern proverbs that you'll hear is this idea that time heals all wounds. And I want to tell you that's just not true. Time does not heal all wounds. Imagine I take a big knife and I give myself a big hack on my arm and I say, well, I'm just going to give that time. Bad plan. I'm either going to bleed out or I'm going to get infected and gangrene and amputation. Time does not heal all wounds, especially in our families. What is true is that God can heal all of our wounds over time. Maybe you've come from a sweep-it-under-the-rug family when it comes to dealing with the conflict in the generations of your home. Maybe you grew up like this. You know, a sweep-it-under-the-rug family. And now we've got this nice big wood floor in here. Imagine there was a rug in the middle and every day the cleaning crew comes in and sweeps the, the dust under the rug. No problem for a day. No problem for a month. You might even be able to get away with it for a year. But after a couple years of doing that, that rug is now levitating under an inch, six inches, a foot of old junk. And if anybody comes and steps on that rug, boom, all that stuff goes out. And then what does that family do? They ignore it. They say, oh, sweep it back under, sweep it back under. We don't deal with stuff. And they go from explosion to explosion to explosion. Now, the greatest struggle in my life with forgiveness had to do with my father. My father was not a Christian. My mother was my father's fourth wife. And my parents got divorced when I was 15 years old. Now, the final straw that broke the camel's back was my father's infidelity. He traveled for business Monday through Thursday, and turns out that he had different relationships in these different cities where he traveled. And, and my dad's bad behavior, my parents' divorce, us moving and selling our home and relocating to a new school, that, that became the big, the big wound and trauma of my life. And I had some very well-meaning friends who came to me and said, well, Rob, you just need to forgive your dad. And I... Yeah, I mean, that's good Christian advice, I guess. It sounds pretty spiritual. It sounds pretty, pretty Bible-y, Sunday school-y. But it also felt very superficial, very 
pat answery. What it sounded like they were saying to me is that, you see, down in your heart, Rob, you've got uh, hatred, bitterness, anger, and resentment. And your job is just to go down in there and you just, you see, you turn those light switches off. You turn off the hatred, the bitterness, and the anger. You just give them to Jesus and you move on. Now, nobody ever said it quite that uh, crassly to me, but that's sort of what it felt like. And I just remember at the time saying, gosh, if it was that easy to get rid of hatred, to get rid of bitterness and anger and, and resentment, wouldn't everybody do it? And it was actually my pastor who then walked me through a, a systematic and slow and not pat answering and biblical process of what does it really mean to forgive someone. What I want to do is to give you a few biblical principles, a few biblical action steps that you can apply in your family relationships to, to build a family that's known for healing to build a family that's known for reconciliation. And the first one is, is healing through prayer, healing through prayer. And the challenge I want to give you is to pray for your own heart, to pray for your own heart. You know, when my wife Amy and I are in a conflict, uh, we're arguing about Lord knows what, obviously the reason why we're in the conflict is because of something she did. It, it, her bad behavior, her disrespect, her tone of voice. We wouldn't be having the conflict if she hadn't done what she had done. And the, the cause of this is 100 her, zero me. Obviously, that's not true. Um, it's usually, if anything, it's the other way around in my marriage. But um, rarely is a family conflict 100 to zero. Now, it doesn't always mean it's 50-50, but there's usually two people involved in a conflict and relational brokenness. And, and our problem is, is that it's so easy to see our brother's fault or our spouse's fault or our granddaughter's fault, and we have these blinders on to our faults. You may remember Jesus speaks to this in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I love this illustration Jesus gives, so I, I thought we would give it a shot to see what Jesus might be talking about here. So Jesus says that, see if this thing holds on. All right, I think I got it. Jesus says that you are obsessing about this speck that is in your, your brother's eye or your granddaughter's eye or whatever, all the while, you've got a log in your own eye. Okay, that's hard to breathe. Well, this could work as a new mask. This could be very popular in our, our age of masks today. But um, now listen, Jesus is not trying to uh, have you compare who's more at fault. Actually, this little parable is a bit challenging. Jesus says that you've been obsessing about your brother's contribution to the problem when in fact it's mostly your fault. That's the illustration that you've got a log in your eye, they've got a speck in their eye. But, but Jesus isn't saying you need to figure out who's more at fault. What Jesus is saying, before you focus on your brother's contribution to the relationship brokenness, before you focus on your daughter's contribution to the relationship brokenness, look at your contribution. Look at what you may have done or what your reaction was that has caused this difficult situation to get worse. So how do you do that? How do you uh, follow Jesus's instruction here? I just encourage you to pray. Think about that family member with whom you've got this broken relationship. Your prayer might sound something like this. Lord, I know that my conflict with my brother, my spouse, my granddaughter is, is not all 
his or her fault. I know that I've made things worse with my actions and attitudes. I also admit that I struggle with focusing all my thoughts and feelings on what he or she has done to me. I don't want to be like the person Jesus talked about who's obsessing over the speck in his brother's eye while ignoring the log in my own eye. Please show me everything I have done to hurt this family member. Bring to my mind the things I've said which have hurt them and made our conflict worse. And then as God brings those things to mind, confess them to the Lord. And then ask for him to give you the courage to go confess them to your brother, your sister, your spouse, and ask for their forgiveness. And I know what a lot of you are thinking because I think the same thing. I say, well, hold on a second. I mean, yeah, okay, maybe I need to apologize for this or that or whatever, but they're the one who did this and they're the one who did that. And as soon as they come and apologize for the big thing they did, well, then maybe I'll, I'll apologize for my thing. It's that million dollar question of who's going to apologize first. Emerson Egerich has a great uh, answer for that. If you're struggling with who should apologize first, his answer is the more mature person should apologize first. Ah, it's a stinker, isn't it? But uh, convicting uh, way to think about it. Now listen, I don't have magic formulas for you today uh, on, on healing family relationships. Romans 12, 18, God says this. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Well, what does if possible mean? If possible means it might not be possible. In other words, you might want to have a peaceful relationship with a family member, but they don't want to have a peaceful relationship with you. But look at what the command here says, as far as it depends on you. In other words, if the relationship's broken, if the relationship is not on a path to healing, don't let that be your fault. Ask God to bring you to a place of forgiveness in your own heart, cleaning out any hatred, anger, bitterness, or resentment that you have, so that if and when peace is possible, God would make your heart ready for that moment of reconciliation. Now, being a person of peace doesn't mean being a doormat. doesn't mean looking the other way when there is sin or dysfunction. It might mean setting boundaries with a toxic person. There's nothing Christian about rewarding toxic behavior with warmth and trust. Let me talk to you about another biblical principle, and that is healing through compassion. Healing through compassion. Jesus, as God's Son, perfectly reflects the Father's compassion. One of my favorite scriptures about Jesus and his ministry comes from Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Jesus looks out at this crowd of lost and sinful souls, and the scripture says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I don't think we have any chance of healing and reconciliation in our families without asking Jesus to give us his heart of compassion for the other messed up people in our families. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I get impatient with God sometimes. And one of the areas where I get impatient with God is I, I get impatient with his sanctification schedule of my family members. Right, The Holy Spirit is sanctifying us and making us more like Christ. And with my family members, I wish God would speed it up a little bit. Now, of course, when it comes to me, I ask for all the mercy and grace and understanding from my family as my sanctification process is a bit slow. 
Um, but instead of having this judgmental attitude toward everybody else in my family and all the ways they fall short, asking God, God, would you give me a heart of compassion for these struggling family members, these people who fall short just like me? Let me tell you about compassion as it relates to to my family and my father. I told you a few minutes ago about how when I was 15, my parents divorced. And now that was the big wound and trauma of, of my life. My pastors at that time just guided me through a process beginning with making a choice. Rob, you do need to make a choice to forgive him in your heart. And I did that. And then I began to pray every day. Okay, God, I've, I've chosen to forgive my dad. Now, I, I can't trust him and I don't have these warm feelings toward him, but I've made this choice to forgive him. Now, God, I can't now get rid of this, this anger and this bitterness and this hatred that I have. So, God, you've got to do that. You've actually got to change my heart toward my father. And I was praying that prayer daily for six years. Six years. God, heal my heart. Heal my heart. I don't want to have hatred, anger, bitterness, resentment toward my dad. And I'll never forget, it was a junior year of of college. One morning, I had this crazy early class, like 11 a.m., and I'm in my bathroom, and I'm getting ready to go. I'm shaving both my facial hairs, and for whatever reason, I'm thinking about my father. And for the first time in a long time, as my father was on my mind, the feeling that I had in my heart toward him was compassion. And all sorts of things flooded my mind about my father. My father was born in the flu epidemic of 1918. In fact, his mother died in childbirth with him. He was born at the University of Iowa Hospital. And my father was born at seven and a half months in utero. He was a preemie. And we don't know exactly the way it all worked, but his father, either over the grief of losing his wife, whatever it was, His father didn't want my dad, couldn't take my dad, couldn't take care of him. And because my father was this preemie baby, he spent the first year of his life in the hospital. And that first year of life, what a critical year. What a critical year to have mom and dad and grandma and grandpa caring for you. But that's not what my dad had. My dad had nurses at a hospital taking care of him. Mom had died. Dad didn't want him. Now, when he was a year old, he got adopted. He was adopted by his aunt and his uncle, who were brother and sister. Two single people, brother and sister, they lived together for functional reasons, and they adopted my father. They didn't know Jesus. My father never saw a marriage, never saw a family growing up. His father was the dean at the University of Iowa. His adopted father was the dean at University of Iowa. His adopted father was an atheist. His adopted father was an educator. And I remember growing up, I remember my father telling me many times, he would say, Bobby, my father called me Bobby. Bobby, let me tell you the number one lesson that the dean taught me. He referred to his adoptive father as the dean. Might tell you a little something about that home. Let me tell you the number one lesson that the dean taught me. And I'm a little boy. I would say, yes, daddy, what's the number one lesson that the dean taught you? He said, the number one lesson the dean taught me, Jesus was just a man. Jesus was just a man. I want you to think about this for a minute. Your mother dies. Father doesn't want you. That first year of life filled with woundedness and loneliness. You get adopted into this home. You never see a a marriage work. Where do you go to get wounds like that healed? Who can heal wounds like that in the heart? Only Jesus can. 
And then this man who adopts him say, the only person in the universe that can't help you is this Jesus person. Now, knowing what you know now about my father, how does it make you feel toward him? What emotion do you have toward him? I hope it's compassion. Isn't that just sad? He spent his whole life looking for women to love him. Four marriages, however many other relationships. Dies with a picture of his mother on his dresser. Doesn't excuse the choices that he made. But you see, as God brought me to a place of compassion for my father, it shifted my ability then to have a a fresh relationship with him. Shifted my ability to have actually a ministry to him. Now, my dad passed away in 2008. He was 90 years old when he died. And three weeks before he died, God worked a miracle in his life, brought him to repentance of his sins and faith in Christ. He was radically converted. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a greater miracle than the conversion of my 90-year-old dad. And we had three incredible days together before he went home to his new father in heaven. Three incredible days where he asked forgiveness for what he had done. Now, I had forgiven him years ago by God's grace, but we were then able to experience the reconciliation of our relationship. With my father, this was more than 30 years of praying for him to come to Christ, more than 30 years of praying for this broken relationship. And some of you, you've been praying for decades also asking for God to do a miracle of healing in one of your family relationships. And I just want to encourage you, I share my dad's story with you, to not stop praying. Don't give up hope. It's not too late for God to work a miracle of healing and reconciliation in your family, and not just for your family, but for the future generations to come. God loves taking broken things and making them whole again. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are able to talk about forgiveness in our families only because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. While we were still sinners, you proved your love for us and that Christ died for us. And now you say to go forgive as we have been forgiven. God, every one of our families is messed up. Every one of our families is broken and struggling. And so, God, we need your grace and your mercy for all of us that are listening right now, all of us that have just wrestled through these scriptures. Would you make us people of peace, people of healing, people of reconciliation in our families and for the generations of our families? Not just so that we can we can have happy, close, loving family relationships as you desire, but that the gospel, that the love of Jesus Christ can be passed through the generations of our family for your glory in the generations to come. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. That was Rob Reno from a message that he uh, gave as part of our Legacy Coalition Finding Hope for Today event last September. I'm Wayne Rice here with Larry Fowler and John Colomb. Guys, any takeaways from what uh, Rob had to say? Well, what you said at the very beginning and then what Rob has brought out is we all are in need of um, being healed. We all are are bent. Um, We have a bent and we are broken and we're bent out of shape at times. And so we need these kind of words. And one of the things is we were raising our family. There were 12 words. And couplets of three that 
that really carried us through um, those difficult moments when we just needed to re- have some repairs done. And they were, I am, I was wrong. <laughs> I am sorry. Please forgive me. And then the affirmation of, I love you. I was wrong. Uh, I am sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. And words are important if they're authentic, if they come from uh, an attitude that is very humble and broken and sincere. And uh, we're going to need that throughout all of our lives with every group of people we're with, but especially our family who know us best <laughs> and um, know us at our worst. And um, it sets a pattern up for them in their own marriages and their own families when that time comes. Good stuff from Rob. Well, that's good stuff from you too, John. And I I just think it fits so good. The one line about this point that I that I really picked up on was that the Christian family must be experts in forgiveness. And, um, you know, that sets a pretty important bar. I think that often we want our families to be experts in truth. And we would like to be experts in love. But that whole thing of being experts in forgiveness uh, is a a great thought to ponder on a while, consider how it applies to to me first and then to my family. Yeah, you know, one thing uh, I've learned from from, uh, experiencing uh, conflict with someone that you were very close to, and I'm I'm thinking right now of a, of a relationship with it was not a family member but a close friend. Was it took me a long time to recognize the log in my own eye, you know, which Rob talks about in this this message, um, because I did believe that it was 100 percent the other person's fault, and uh, and that I was 100 percent in the right. And, um, and I was convinced of that, you know, when we had this conflict with this struggle, but, um, as I began to pray about it and I, and I, um, just asking God to help me figure out how to forgive, um, the other person, um, I think the biggest takeaway for me in the whole process is I, is I realized that, that, um, the other the person that I was having the most conflict with, with, um, um, were in from there's there's two ways of looking at things. There's always another point of view, and I couldn't see it at all. But God helped me to see it that I had a log in my own eye that I needed to deal with, and that really allowed me then to go and ask for forgiveness and reconciliation was then possible. But it took me a long time, and I've. You know, I've never had um, um, a serious uh, conflict with with one of my immediate family members uh, like Rob had with his own father, but I have with people with with someone who's who's been as close as family, and I didn't realize it was so so uh, difficult to begin to realize that um, if if I could put myself in the other person's shoes, that I'd see things completely differently. And that's where I really think it takes uh, God's Holy Spirit to help us um, do that. And that's so this healing through prayer that he talks about is you pray for your own heart um, and of uh, and and focus on your your 
your own uh, view because it's hard to uh, do that on your own. Well, that puts a little bit of a different spin on uh, what the phrase that I referred to earlier that he used, uh, the Christian family must be experts in forgiveness. What you're saying is we need to be experts in asking for forgiveness too. That That is as critical as giving it. And that's kind of what you said. I, I'm sure John's had that experience. I, I did too. I remember that um, th- there was a time where I was running conferences and I had a guy I thought overcharged me for the conference. And I can remember meeting him with him for lunch and just kind of reaming him out because I thought he was overcharging me. And, and um, I didn't see him again for probably 25 years. And then I saw him again. And all of a sudden the Holy spirit brought that back to my memory. And I knew that I need to make that right. And so I set up a time to talk with him and I asked his forgiveness for that. You know, the interesting thing was he didn't remember it at all, <laughs> but I sure did. And, and I needed to deal with my own heart regarding that, whether he remembered it or not. You know, we, we spent so much time on the wonderful thing called grace, which we should, but we forget the importance of repentance. And, and I, I remember some years ago we were st- on sabbatical studying in England with uh, Dr. John Stott, who was just a highly revered, godly vicar. <laughs> um, and uh, one of the things that every time he was teaching, I'm, I'm not kidding, every session he would say, and I've had to repent of that. I've had to repent of that. And we've kind of taken out those phrases in our morning worship on Sunday mornings. And I think we just need more than spring cleaning. We need... <laughs> We need daily repentance and for, and forgiveness and just letting the Holy Spirit reveal to us when uh, there's a crack in the relationship and uh, and to make sure that we don't let it, the sun go down before we make that right. Yeah, I really uh, uh, enjoyed hearing Rob tell the story about his dad again. I've heard that before. But uh, that is just so encouraging because when you do have a family member, someone who's who's not walking with the Lord, and and it's so discouraging, and you wonder if if it'll ever happen, um, you know, it's an encouragement to just keep praying and keep doing what you you you're able to do, and being gracious and and gentle and uh, um, not pushy, but. Uh, uh, you know, hang in there because uh, it's never too late. And uh, he emphasizes that at the end. It's never too late. God is in the business of doing these kinds of miracles. And uh, we just have to trust God. And uh, um, and I think that's just something for, for parents, for grandparents who wonder if they'll ever live long enough to see their kids or their grandkids come to Christ. Well, we may not but we can trust God because these kinds of incredible miracles and Rob certainly, I mean, his whole story, it just does. It's a miracle. What happened to his father? Well, let me uh, just mention that uh, Rob's book covers uh, 10 principles for, for healing. He only covered two in uh, this particular message, but uh, he's going to be coming back to uh, speak at our 2021 Legacy Grandparenting Summit, which is happening in October. 
You'll be joined by Kevin Harper, John Stone Street, Reggie Joyner, Kara Powell, Ken Davis, Valerie Bell. Uh, we'll have music from Fernando Ortega, Scott Wesley Brown, and the Isaacs. All the information is on the LegacyCoalition.com website. You can register now for the conference in Birmingham or at a simulcast location near you. Registrations are being accepted right now. Larry, any uh, late-breaking news from the Legacy Coalition to share? Well, uh, it is really exciting to be able to see things uh, continue to expand as far as the number of simulcast sites. And we've been talking about that for several podcasts, but uh, we're getting just about to the end where we're not going to be accepting any more simulcast sites. We're so, so pleased with how many there are. In fact, we're filling in some holes geographically, some states where there was none, and there now is going to be one. And so we're we're very, very pleased about that. Um, we also have a first, Wayne. Um, we're in the process of printing. It's at the printer right now. Our very first grandparenting materials in Chinese. So uh, it'll be available to Chinese churches here in the U.S., but God is continuing to just encourage us to expand our borders, and 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 uh, we are doing that as as uh, God gives us the capacity to do that. Yeah, that's that's really uh, really cool. I um I had a book of mine that was uh, translated into Chinese once by Zondervan, and they sent me a copy. <laughs> and the only thing I could understand in the whole book was was my name on the cover. <laughs> it's well, I, I even got, I had that happen too, Wayne. I even have a Chinese name. Don't ask me what it is <laughs> though, but they actually gave me a Chinese name too. So. Well, that wraps up uh, legacy grandparenting, uh, the official podcast of the legacy coalition. So uh, until next time, this is uh, Wayne Rice, Larry Fowler and John Colomb saying so long and praying that you have a great week of intentional Christian grandparenting.